All right, good morning, everyone. We are coming to you live from the CBS Community College of Summerson, Philadelphia. A uh, beautiful Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning, so we have a few days left before we break for Tisha B'Av and for our summer break. Uh, we wrapped up the third section of Der Hashem yesterday, so we have uh, a few days on our hands to play around with, and I think it would be appropriate, as we mentioned yesterday, to do something for the next few days that would ties in with Tisha B'Av that's thematic of of this time of year going into Tisha B'Av. So that's what we're going to do. And uh, we're actually going to learn together for the next few days the Medrash on Eicha. So Eicha, that's the book of Lamentations. That's what we read on Tisha B'Av. It's one of the five mm-hmm. scrolls, you know, one of the five Megillas. There's five Megillas. And one of those five Megillas is the tragic one of Eicha that we lay in Tisha B'Av night. Slow, mournful tune of Eicha. And... There is a medrash on Eicha. Medrash, the commentary of Chazal, the sages on Eicha, like there's a medrash on really all books of Tanakh. And what we're going to do the next couple of days, next few days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to learn through um, the medrash on Eicha. Okay? So, we're going to see the psicha. We're going to start with the psicha. That's the psicha is the introduction. Chazal have an introduction to the Eicha. Before they get into Eicha proper, they have an introduction, and that introduction is where we're going to start, because that's where they start. And the introduction that Chazal give is really based on different Amoyroyim giving us different psukim that they believe kind of summarizes what Eich is all about, what Tisha B'Av is all about. That's the introduction of, of uh, this, uh, several introductions, many introductions, and they're all different Amoyroyim that when they would use to... And their yeshiva, gather the students together and learn through Eicha, teach Eicha, go through the Midrashim on Eicha, they would introduce it with different psukim. So, um, the first pasuk that's used to introduce, to kick off the book of Eicha over here, the scroll of Eicha, is a pasuk in Yeshai. I'm going to first read the pasuk inside because the Medrash is going to quote and, and, and expand, quote and expand, quote and expand. It's a short pasuk in Yeshai. It's Yeshai, Perikud, Pasuk, but the pasuk is like this. Here's Yeshaya giving prophecy. And he says the following passage, which is, um, seems to be referring to distinct nations with distinct names and distinct places, but the Medrash is going to tell us is actually allusions over here to a lot of the, a lot of the basics as to what went wrong and, and, and what is going on going into Tisha B'Av. So the passage says like this, Sali Koylech Bas Galim. Raise your voice in a whale, in a whale, O oh, Bas Galim. Bas Galim seems at first glance to be a reference to a nation, but literally means the daughter of waves. We'll have to see what the, the Medrash is going to do with that. Hakshivi Laisha, listen, O Laisha, again seems to be the reference to a nation. Aniya Anosais, and Anosais, which seems to be another region, another nation, Aniya has become, has become, um, in a state of suffering, has, has, has experienced suffering. So this is Yeshai addressing some unknown nations, some unknown regions, and the Medrash is going to use this Pasuk as a way of introducing Eicha itself. So it says, let's see, Zok the Medrash, Eicha, you were in the Psicha. Rav Abrabar Kahano, Pasach, Rav Abrabar Kahano, introduced the book of Eicha with the following Pasuk in Yeshai that we just read, and by expounding on that Pasuk. Sali Kadech Basgalim, Lift your voice in, a, in wailing, O oh, Bas Galim. Bas Galim. 
So first we're going to deal with Sali Kailich, and we're going to understand that, that this Pasuk is really addressing Kala Yisrael. We're talking to Kala Yisrael, and Bas Galim is going to be a reference to Kala Yisrael. Laisha, Anosais, all these terms in the Pasuk are going to be referring to Kala Yisrael, things that Kala Yisrael has experienced. So, again, Sali Kailich. Raise your voice in the cry, raise your voice in a, in a wail. Amr Yeshayol Yisrael. Yeshayol, the prophet Isaiah, is telling Kala Yisrael. And he's giving them Musr. And remember, this is Musr that's tying in with the Churban with Gaulus, with Klaisel going to exile. And whatever Yeshai is telling him is going to have to be tied in, linked in with the theme of going to exile. Let's see. Ad sha'atem oimrim. Shimum is marm lefnei avodis kechavim. Rather than lifting your voice up to sing and to, and to, and to, uh, and to praise in the presence of Avodah of the Getschkolach, of the, of the idols, before you do that, raise your voice up and lift your voice up in a song in, in learning. Before you sing out the praises of, of the idols, you should be singing out and praising God. That means singing words of Torah. You should be sitting and learning and singing the Gemara. You should be lifting your voice to sing in Shul. Period. Okay, now we're going to go on to the next part of the Pasuk, but let's let's... Understand what what uh, Rebbe Ramamal just did with this pasuk. What what, what Yeshai is saying according to Rebbe Ramamal, Yeshai is giving Klal really hefty musr over here, hefty hefty musr. And again, we're, we're addressing Klal right before the very end, right before the bitter end, right before the destruction of, of the Beis Hamikdash. That's where we're holding here in Eicha, right before the end. And Yeshaya, in desperation and also in in his um, berating of Klal he's telling Klal before you sing out to praise the the the, the you should be singing out in Torah. You should be singing in Shul. Now it's a funny funny idea over here. Um, it's not it's it's not how we would expect them to phrase. It sounds at the surface he's saying you guys are singing to the wrong things. You know you should be singing to Hashem. Don't go sing to the the you know Buddha and to Yashka and to all the Avodah all the Getchkalach. You sing to the wrong thing. That's what we would think he would say. Like. Don't sing over there, sing over here. Don't sing in the church, don't sing in the, in the ashram, don't sing in the mosque, sing in, in shul, sing in the base medrash. Sing when you learn, sing when you daven. He doesn't say, sing here instead of there. He's saying, before you sing there, sing over here. Ad sha'atem oimim shirim, umizmarim. Before you do that over there, do it over here. At least sing over here. Which is strange. That's not what we want. We don't want you to sing here and then go sing there. We don't want you to sing in church at all. We don't want to be part of the church choir, right? As long as you're singing in shul, you can go join the church choir. That's what it sounds like he's saying. As long as you're singing and you're learning. Singing when you learn a Gemara. You can go ahead and uh, be part of the, uh, you know, again, the Mormon tabernacle ensemble over there. You can go join them. You can play, play the organ as long as you're also singing in shul. That's not what he should have said. You should have said, don't sing over there. Only sing in Shul. Only sing when you learn Torah. But he doesn't say that. He's saying that what was Yeshaya saying? Before you sing over there, sing at least over here. So uh, how do we understand this? And what does this have to do with going into Gaulus? What does it have to do with going into Gaulus? This confusing idea that you should you know, be singing over here at least before you sing over there. So what, what the message is is like this. You know, um, to understand what Yeshai is saying, it's something that we really all need to hear, I think. 
and something that we're all capable of hearing. Going into Tisha B'Av, the saddest day of the year, the nine days, the saddest time of the year, the time that we're really supposed to be missing the Beis Amikdash, the time that we're really supposed to be missing our connection to the Shekhinah and everything that we used to have when we were living in, in the time of Geula. So what do we need to hear? I think it could be best illustrated with with the following question. Somebody asked me this question a few weeks ago. Someone asked me a Shiloh. Um, I wanted to know, what's my personal opinion? What's my personal opinion on... A Jew going to a sports game, following sports, participating in, you know, in uh, this national pastime, this culture... Of, of having your team, the home team, your personal team, following them, attending the games, railing for them. Someone asked me, like, you know, what's 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 the what's the right approach? What you know is wants to go, go with his kids. What's what's the uh, you know what's 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 my take on it? Someone asked me this a few weeks ago. I told him like this. He said, not so much. You know, there's nothing to matter inherently. With following sports, going to a game, you know, standing up and cheering the home team when they score. That's not really an issue, and that's not really the issue. Mm-hmm. On its own, if you isolate that, that's, you know, it's, you know, parv. It's not something that's trafe, not something you're not allowed to do. But what's the issue? The issue is, you know, take a guy who's a big fan of any particular team, whatever that team is going to be. The Broncos, maybe. Colorado Rockies. 76ers. Yeah, okay, maybe. But, you know, for those of us who have that, still are able to have that. Denver Pride. The Denver Pride over there. So you, see, you have your hometown team, right? And you attend the game, and there's they score. You jump up in your seat, and you're cheering, and you're rah-rahing, and you're all into it. You have to be in some area of spirituality, some area of Ruchnius, at least as excited about spirituality, spiritual matters, as you are about the hometown team. You have to be in some area of your connection with God, whether that's davening, whether that's learning, whether it's all of the above, you have to somewhere, somehow find the same excitement. If you can get just as excited in your spirituality, in your ruchnias, in your davening and learning, okay, no, that's, that's all right. You know, it's okay to have pastimes, it's okay to have hobbies, it's okay to have outlets, it's okay to go and enjoy the game with your kids. As long as you also get at least as excited, at least as pumped, you can find the juices flowing when it comes to matters of the soul. When it comes to, you know, learning and davening, connecting with God. But if the only place you really get alive, the only place that, you know, you really get engaged and you get excited is only in, in, in the outlets, only in the pastimes, only in, you know, we call the, you know, the, the, the Narishkeiten. If that's the only place you get excited, and when it comes to learning, when it comes to dominating, comes to matters of the soul, connecting with God, it's a drag and it's drab and you kind of, you know, you'll allow yourself to be schlepped into the base medrash. But you're davening, there's, there's no, no, no real spark over there, there's no real energy over there. You're learning, there's no energy. That's a problem. That's when there's a problem. That's the problem. The problem is to get more excited over there than over here. 
Now again, excitement shows up different ways. Good, with the team, just spontaneous cheering. Don't expect someone in shul to be so, so, so immersed in the Shema Ezra. He gets up, he starts jumping and hopping and clapping, you're gonna distract all shul. That's not, you can't do that. You can't do this. Different ways of getting excited, right? There's excitement, there's a controlled excitement. There's excitement, maybe nobody else sees your excitement. But you see it, you feel it, you have that passion. It shows up differently, you know, in, in learning also. Passion, excitement for learning will show up different in different ways than that excited, spontaneous, you know, passion when the, when, the, when they scored the winning touchdown, the winning field goal. Good. It shows up differently. You know, the feedback is a different feedback, but the passion's got to be there. It can't be that that's the only place for passion. That's the problem. If, if I'm only passionate over there, and I'm not passionate about matters of the soul, I'm not passionate when it comes to my neshama, my learning, my davening, then that's a big problem. That, that's a very big problem. And that's a, that's a, that's a very, uh, you know, serious count against us, and a serious argument against us, where the Rebbein Shalom looks at us and says, it's okay to have outlets. I, I put things like this, you know, it has to have outlets. You have to have, you know, quality time, productive time, and you have to be able to have downtime, mindless time. It's okay, it's understood. And it's okay even to be into it, to get excited about it, and go with, go with your kids there. But that can't be the only place that you're excited. It can't be the only place that you get activated. You have to at least be as much activated, engaged, energized, and excited in what you're really here for. What you're really here for, which is to connect with me. If you only get excited about the Bronx, you don't get excited about me, it says Hashem. That, that, that does get me upset, right? There's a problem, there's a basic problem with your basic existence if you can't get excited about your connection with me. And again, excitement, of course, shows up in different ways. The passion of, of spirituality is different than the animalistic, spontaneous, you know, passion, excitement of cheering on the sports team. Of course, it's understood. But on, in, 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 it's, at its terms, in the way it works and functions, there's got to be passion about matters of the soul also. And that's what Yeshai is telling Kleister over here. We're not talking about necessarily Avedah Zorah. We're talking about Avedah Zorah at its core means something strange, something foreign. Zorah really just means foreign. Foreign means it's a value, it's a system that's outside Torah. Foreign to Torah, a pastime, a hobby, an interest, something that's not part and parcel of Torah itself. That's what Zorah means, something foreign. Something strange, something unknown. And what Yeshai is telling Kala Yisrael is before you start singing and getting excited about your Avodah Zorah, about your pastimes, your hobbies, get excited about me. Let me see that you're excited to come to Shul and Davin. Let me hear your singing when you Davin. Let me hear your singing when you learn. Let me hear that this excites you too, that you're passionate over here. If you're passionate over here, you have a right to be passionate over there. It's okay. But if you're only passionate over there, you're not passionate over here, this is Yeshai's argument and his critique of Kala Yisrael. This leads to the end. This leads to destruction. The very profound idea that we kick off Megillus Eichel with, we're being told that this is something that's taken Kleisel on a path, a one-way road to destruction, when we cease to be excited and passionate about matters of the soul, and our passion is only coming from matters of the, of, uh, you know, the uh, mundane. Yeah, question? More of a statement. I respectfully disagree, and can I give you my opinion or my view and see if it makes sense? Yeah, but maybe when we're done, we'll have time when we're done. Okay. So anyway, this is so. This is what Yeshai is, t- t- is telling Klai Yisrael, um, and and this is how we kick off Megillas Eicha. That it's not that you don't have a right to get excited about pastimes. Certainly you do. You have to be passionate when it comes to me as well, says Hashem. And if you're only passionate over there and you, you can't get excited about learning, you can't sing. It says it says Yeshaya. Tzali kailech b'devei Torah, sing and learning. Tzali kailech b'vadei knesias, sing and shul. If you sing and learning, sing and shul, then it's okay that you have things on the side too. But if all you have is things on the side, that's that's intolerable, says HaKadosh Baruch, that's unacceptable, that leads to destruction. But we go on to the Pesach, Bas Galim, we're addressing Kalei, so it's Bas Galim. 
Baz Galim. What does it mean, Baz Galim? Galim seems to mean waves, the daughter of waves. Why is Klai Yisrael being called the daughter of waves? Waves are distinct. Each wave is distinct. You see waves as distinct waves, right? They, they move quickly, rapidly, and they they crest and break, but each wave is distinct. So too, we are Baskalm, we're the descendants of waves, we're descendants of, of great people that were distinct, that made themselves distinct. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov made a name for themselves, stood out, weren't afraid to stand out. They weren't afraid to be distinct and, and separate and speak their minds when the whole world was against them. That's where we come from. So we're being reminded over here that we come from very significant stack. We come from very, very significant place. We come from a place of Baskalm, of forefathers, that didn't mind being all alone, didn't mind taking on the whole world. As Avram Avinu was called Avram HaIvri. Ivri means he was on the other side. Aver means the other side. Chazal tell us the whole world was on one side, Avram was on the other side. Avram was very, was a revolutionary, but not a popular revolutionary. In Avram's time, everybody was into idol worship, everyone was following Nimrod, everyone was following the, the culture of the day was Avodah Zarah. Avram was the only one that stood up for monotheism, for morals, for values, for principles, and he took on the entire world. That's what it means, Misuyamim. Yitzchak was Misuyam. Yitzchak did not capitulate, didn't give in to the, the, um, the uh, um, lures of, of um, becoming... caught up with the plishtim, the plishti culture of uh, assimilation, assimilation. Yaakov has to travel down to Egypt. Again, he remains strong, he remains Mesuyim. So that's where we're coming from, from forefathers that were, that were, that were distinct. And again, the, the Musa that's being laced in, in, over here by Yeshaya is, there's, it's, it's implied that there's a, a critique on Klai Yisrael also this time, going into the Churban, going into the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. The Klai Yisrael, it's implied over here, we're losing that distinctness, we're losing that, that property that the Avas had, where the Avas were not afraid to stand up against the outside world, against the outside culture, against the inroads of assimilation. Klai Yisrael, it seems, was unfortunately not, uh, not exhibiting that anymore. And not living with that anymore, they were no longer Muslim, they're no longer distinct amongst the Gayim as, as, um, their forefathers were. Dover Acher, another Pshan Bas Galim. Bas Galim, the daughter of Galim, so don't translate it as Galim as waves, but Bas Goylim, the daughter of the exiles, the, those who went into exile. Barteyoin de Galvoi, we are the daughter of those who went into exile. Our forefathers can also be called Goylim, people that one after the next, experienced Gullus, experienced exile. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, each one of them experienced exile. And the Medrash points that out. Bita shall Avram, the daughter of Avram, Oisus, Shekosu, Boi, Vayi, Rov, Oretz, Vayerd Avram, Mitzrayim. Avram experienced famine as soon as he arrived in Eretz He had to go down to Egypt. So Avram, the original, the, the, the progenitor, the ancestor of Klai, so he goes into Gullus, he goes into exile. Bita Yitzhak, were the daughter of Yitzhak, who also went into exile. Shekosu, Boi, Velech, Yitzhak, Elavi, Melch, Melch, Plishim, Gerorah. Yes, like as he just said earlier, he had to live amongst the Plishtim, in exile. He stood strong against the assimilation over there, but he went into exile. He went into exile also. Vita Shayakov, the daughter of Jacob, of Yaakov, also experienced exile. Shekazu by Vayelach Padena Aram. Yaakov had to go live with Lavan, his uncle Lavan, for 20 years in Chutlarts, in Charon, uh, in Mesopotamia, Syria, Turkey, wherever that was, 
um, and he also was in exile. So another interesting idea over here, we're being told, going into Eichel, going into the, the book of Lamentations, which is all about Kleiser going into Gaulus, that Bas Galim were actually come from a long, long line of exiled peoples. This is not the first time we're experiencing Gaulus. Abraham, look at Yaakov, each one of them, each of the forefathers went into their own personal Gaulus, into different countries, they were exiled to different lands in different countries, different times of their life. We are the descendants of, 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 of people who went into exile. What's the significance of that? Why do we have to know that? Why is it significant for Chazal to teach us that? We're kind of being told over here that it's almost like in the specifications of what it means to be Jewish is to experience exile. That's the point that the Medrash is making. We're the daughter of God, the daughter of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov that experienced exile. Gullus, Gullus, Gullus. The forefathers that are the source material, the source matter, the DNA for all of Kleisrael, for us to this very day. They all experienced Gullus and it's a Jewish thing to experience Gullus. That's what the Medrash is saying. You didn't deal with Gullus. Jews, part of being Jewish is, is having to taste Gullus, having to deal with Gullus. Um... So on the one hand, the gullus that we went into with the destruction of the temple were definitely criticized for that gullus. We brought that gullus on ourselves by, by uh, you know, not listening, by doing lots of averas. At the same time, we're being told, we're being kind of consoled almost. We're being consoled. Yeah, it is a Jewish thing to go into exile. Yidin have always been in exile. You know, we're waiting for the third base Hamikdash. We're waiting for Mashiach to come, which has seen very, very, very soon. It would be lovely to see him even before Tisha B'Av. We're waiting for Mashiach, we're waiting for the third base of Mikdash, and we've had two of them so far, and Klai Yisrael has had the opportunity to live in Eretz Yisrael in a state of ghoul, in a state of redemption with the base of Mikdash. We've also experienced, unfortunately, exile. And if you make a cheshvan from Klai Yisrael's inception, from when we became a nation, which you can count that either from Avram, or you can count that from the Mount Torah, if you count it from Avram Avinu, when did Avram Avinu go to Eretz Those around the year 2000 in Jewish years. When we get the Torah, 2448 in Jewish years, about 450 years later. Either way, if you make a cheshvan from either the year 2000 mm-hmm. in Jewish years or the year 2448 in Jewish years to now, which is 5782 in Jewish years. So we've been around for some 3,000 years plus, close to 37, uh, more than 3,700 years if you can't from Avram Avinu. 3,200, 3,300 years if you can from the Torah, Mount Torah, from our Sinai. The vast majority of our existence as a nation has been in exile. In Galvas, not in Geula. You make a cheshun. The vast majority of the amount of time that Kaiso has existed has been in a state of exile, in a state of being dispersed amongst the nations. Wherever that's been. Whether that's been Babylon, Babel, whether that's been Persia, whether that's been Egypt, whether that's been Spain, whether that's been... The Soviet Union, the Ukraine, Belarus, whether it's been America, whether it's been Eretz Yisrael, you can be in Gaulus and Eretz Yisrael also. Currently, all the, there's millions of Yidin in, in Eretz Yisrael that are also in Gaulus. Right? Gaulus means we don't have the Shekhinah, we don't have the Beis Mikdash. That's also exile. We've only been in Eretz Yisrael throughout our entire existence as a nation for barely more than a millennia. A little bit more than a thousand years, Klai Yisrael actually lived in Eretz Yisrael from all of our 3,700 years, 3,800 years. 3,700 years. Um, only about, you know, 1,200 or so of those years we were living in Israel, and only 800 of those 1,200 years we had Beis HaMikdashes, we had temples. So that means most of our existence has been in Gaulus, and it is a bit of a Jewish thing to be in Gaulus, to have to experience Gaulus, to have to live in Gaulus, 
have to deal with Gullus and have to conquer Gullus. Medrash is making a very significant point over here. In, of course, we're davening for the Gul, and of course, the ideal is for us to be in Eretz Yisrael. But to get to that ideal, Klai Yisrael is supposed to spend a lot of time in exile. Why are we supposed to spend a lot of time in exile? To be exposed to the nations in exile. But why are we supposed to be exposed to the nations in exile? To learn from the nations? To copy the nations? To assimilate with the nations? No. To see exactly what not to do from the nations, and to be in opposition to the nations. Our job is not just avoid the nations. Our job is see what they're all doing, learn from them what not to do. Take a strong stand. Take a stand for God. Take a stand for Kedusha. And that's what we do in exile. That's why Kleisa spent so much time in exile because a lot of crazy guy out there doing a lot of crazy things and we have to be the same people. We have to be the people that see the craziness out there and we do the right thing. We do what's morally correct, morally upstanding. We have values, timeless values of Torah. And as we said earlier, the same way the Avis were distinct. The Avis were... Set apart from the rest of the world, they took a stand. They were not fearful to take a stand against the entire world. They were the ones that were trying to turn the tide. The whole tide was against them. The tsunami, great tsunami of the insanities of the world were against them. The Avis, our forefathers, and Yaakov made it a point of taking a stand against that. And that's why we spend so much time in exile. And yes, in Eretz nowadays, it's also exile. It's called Gullus, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Anyone that tells you otherwise is really just, you know, has an agenda. Has an agenda. Everyone should go back to Eretz Yisrael because that way we're not in Gullus anymore. No, it's all almost certainly in Gullus. What's the biggest, you want the biggest, uh, the, the biggest, the biggest uh, indicator and proof? You want to hit you on the nose that Eretz Yisrael is not, is certainly not in a state of redemption, but a state of exile? No base on Mikdash. No base on Mikdash. Just go, go, go to Tel Aviv. Take a stroll down the main street in Tel Aviv, Dizengor Square. Go to Rechov Yaffa in Jerusalem. See what's going on in Rechov Yaffa. See the, the culture that's pervading Israel these days. The, what, what they're inundated with. Unfortunately, what? The parade. Yeah, you don't even have to go to Tel Aviv. Just go to Jerusalem. Go to Yaffa. Yeah. Go to go to. See the parade, yeah. That's right. That's right. Eretz Yisrael is certainly Rabbi Yisai in the state of Galus, and and. Uh, even those in Eretz Yisrael have to deal with this mission of what it means to be a Jew, to to face Gaulus, stare it in the face, stare it down. But that's again why you didn't spend so, so much time, an inordinate amount of time in Gaulus. Again, it's a crazy thing if you think about it. For our 3,700 years of existence, 12, only 1,200, a mere 1,200 has been, has been spent in Eretz Yisrael in its state of redemption. 800 of those 1,200 has been with the Beis HaMikdash. 2,500 years out of the 3,700 years, Kleis has been in Gullus. Haloi Doverhu. And that's exactly what the Medrash is saying. We're Bas Goylem. We are the product of people who went into exile. Avram went into exile. Yitzchak and Yaakov, they all went into exile because part of being Jewish is spending time in exile. And it's not necessarily there for us to suffer for sentencing, but it's there for us, and, and not just for us to survive Gullus, to survive exile, we're there to triumph in exile. We're given a mission in exile. We're given a, 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 an assignment of see the craziness, see the insanity, and be better than them. And show the world sanity. Okay? Let's go a little further over here. Um, that's a very amazing idea. Hakshivi, the prophet Yeshai told Kleisok, Hakshivi, listen, hark my voice, heed my voice. Hakshivi le mitzvah Listen to mitzvahs. Hakshivi le divrei 
Listen to Torah, Hakshivi Ladivre Nevua, listen to prophecy, Hakshivi Ladzadaka is to Maisim Toivim. Listen to the annals, the records of people that are at least giving tzedakah are, are involved in, in good deeds. What's Yeshaya saying? Yeshaya is saying that again, we're trying to exhort Kleisel, we're trying to save Kleisel, establish Kleisel before the bitter end, before the base is about to go up in flames. Yeshaya is, this is a desperate last minute pitch over here to try to get the, the ship to turn around. He's telling them, listen to Torah, listen to prophecy, listen to, to mitzvahs. What does that mean, listen? It means, it means be receptive. Let it penetrate. In other words, Yeshai is identifying that, that what, what Kleisel's pram was in that, in that era was that they were impenetrable. You couldn't talk to them. You, you, they wouldn't let themselves be affected. Torah didn't go in. Mitzvahs didn't go in. Role models, mentors, inspiration wouldn't go in. They were too, their heads were too stuffed up. Their heads were stuffed up with what? Again, with, 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 with incorrect values, with narishkeit. Their heads were stuffed up with things that were foreign to Jewish values were things that were outside the realm of connecting with Hashem matters of the soul. The songs, the sweet songs of Torah, the sweet songs of Tefillah, their heads were too stuffed up with all the culture that they had allowed themselves to absorb for things to penetrate. So Shai saying, at least just open your ears, take out that cotton and let this penetrate. Let it just, even, don't even learn, Yeshai is saying, don't even learn, don't even do mitzvahs. Just appreciate learning. Appreciate mitzvahs. Let those songs penetrate. Take the kind out of your ears, even if you're, you yourself are not going to learn. Hear and appreciate others doing it. And that will also stir something up inside. Wake up that slumbering Jewish soul. Layesha. This is the next part of the Pasuk. He says Layesha, which sounds like a region. But but we understand that Layesh means also means a lion or a lioness. Look, if you don't get that cotton out of your ears, if you don't let yourself to be inspired and touched by Jewish things, real Jewish things, the lions are going to come and gobble you up. Yeshai is telling Kleisol, who's, who's, the, who's, the, who's the lion? The lion is none other than Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babel, who ultimately <laughs> ravaged, destroyed, and burnt the base of Mekdash to the ground. Zen Nebuchadnezzar, Rosh Hashanah, Allah Arya Misubchai, Yirmiyahu, the prophet Jeremiah, compares Nebuchadnezzar to a lion. The lion is emerging from his den. That's Nebuchadnezzar. He's coming to, with a ravenous fury to destroy Klaiso. Ania, we have been ravaged. We have suffered. Ania minat sadikim. Ania midivrei nevua. Ania mimitzvah sumaisim toivim. Again, Klaiso is impoverished. We're impoverished because we lack sadikim. We lack the righteous at that time. We lack prophets. We lack mitzvah sumaisim toivim. Because Klaiso again has become too enamored and inundated and, and absorbed with, with Gaisha culture, which, as the Rebbeis is pointing out, unfortunately you can find that even in Eretz Yisrael. Anosais, bimlava anosais, and again, if you don't wake up, we're gonna, re- we conclude this first pasuk. Anosais, ha ansoisa, ose umisnabe aleich tichsiv, divri yermio ben chilkio, the yermio from, uh, anosais is gonna come in prophecy about your destruction, kivin shabal peronis koinen aleim echo. And once Yeshaya saw that it could not be averted, his destruction could not be, could not be reversed, and Kleiso couldn't be spared, that he begins to say echo. Okay, so that's the first section over here of the introduction. That's Rebab of Mammal. We'll stop over here for today. We'll continue tomorrow and see a different introduction to Yeshai. But there's a lot of, really, a lot of solid, significant ideas over here that really all talk to us, this time here especially, remember what it means to be Jewish, remembering what it means to allow real Jewish values to penetrate, and how to find that balance between the culture outside of us and the Jewish spark that's within us. Okay, thank you all for joining. We'll continue tomorrow.